This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, January 21st, 2021. And my guest is the awesome Richard Lai. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hey, Miriam. Thanks for having me again. You know, this is my 200th show. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I'm very honored. Well, absolutely. You know, you were on my 100th show as well. Like, I think this is a pattern. Ah, yeah, wow. You see? That's amazing. Well, congratulations, Miriam. <laughs> Thank you very much. 200. It, that's amazing. I know, wow. right? So we have 200 shows and we also have a new government, which I'm excited about. Ah, uh, that's, you know, that's worth celebrating too. Yes. I have to say it. And then we also have new phones from Samsung to talk about. So we, we covered them last week, Richard, because the announcement had just happened. But there's lots of reviews out. You and I both haven't actually touched the phones yet. Like I'm waiting for my review and it should be arriving imminently. I'm like on the second wave. Mm -hmm. So I want to know your first impressions having read Chris and Sherilyn's reviews on mm. Engadget and obviously the entire meta review of the universe. And so then we'll, we'll talk about that for a bit. And then there's a bunch of new chips announcements. And wait a minute, actually, I think Brad just showed up in our Skype call. Wait, Brad Molin? Yeah, Brad. Formerly of Engadget US? That's right. Hello, hello. Is this the Mobile Tech hey, Podcast? Brad. Yes, hi, Brad. What, what oh, are you hello. doing here? Wow. <laughs> it's like a hi. reunion. First time caller, long time former <laughs> co-host. <laughs> wow. We had planned this. It's not really a surprise. I figured for a 200 show, I might as well try to get some folks on that have been on the show years ago <laughs> when it was still called the Engadget Mobile Podcast. But Brad, thanks for joining us. I know you can't stay and discuss the pros and cons of all the tech we're going to talk about today. But since I have you on, and we talked about it briefly after the CS announcement last week, what can you tell us about TCL's phones coming up in 2021, the 20 series, and, and maybe anything else you want to tell us? Well, first of all, congratulations, Miriam. Thank you. Um, I, I think this is awesome. Just thinking about you know, how many years we've known each other. And, you know, we did two years of, of podcasting together, at least it might've been more than that. So, you know, it, it goes, it brings back a lot of wonderful memories to be here on with, uh, on here with you. So um, it's great to be here and hi, Richard. It's good to mm, see you. Good to see you too, Brad. It's been, it's been too long. <laughs> it's like an Engadget reunion. Yeah. I'm loving right? it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm sorry. I can't stick around for too long. Um, but yeah, definitely. It's been a, a pretty busy couple of weeks with CES. Uh, TCL uh, made a bit of a splash, and that's awesome that you you covered us last week. And also, I, I have to just add that it's it's always wonderful to listen to your podcast and hear you call me out. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. Like anytime you talk about a TCL product, you're always like, hey, Brad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. I kind of do that with a lot of people. I think this kind of like the inside baseball backrooms thing for my listeners, you know, they kind of feel like they're part of the family by hearing us talk about each other because we all know each other. That's the thing they, they have to understand. Right, absolutely. Um, we're, we're just kind of a, a fraternity of sorts, just a community of of you know, really nerds. close friends and colleagues. Yeah, and nerds, <laughs> obviously. So, um, but 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I won't say too much about TCL. Um, I would love to come onto a later podcast sometime and, and talk more about um, some of the phones that we got coming out later this spring. This uh, this CES, we actually didn't go too in depth on the the 20 series phones themselves. We did you know do some teasers. Uh, we showed off the 25G, which is going to be our uh, most affordable. 5G device yet. You know, obviously we had the 10 5G UW uh, last fall, which was 400 bucks in Verizon. It was amazing for the money. That was already yeah. really cheap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So I, I think this is a great thing for, for the industry in general um, that everybody is now able to get 5G connectivity, right? So this is not uh, any longer a, a premium or luxury feature. This is something that anybody can get. So that's something that, uh, you know, has changed a lot just in the last few months. For alone. sure. I don't know if you can speak to this, but is this something that TCL wants to kind of own in the U.S.? I kind of be at the forefront of the affordable 5G revolution because we now have quite a few more players. We're going to talk about the Moto 5G Ace uh, the one 5G Ace in a minute, and then there is of course OnePlus came and and uh, you know crashed the party with the Nord N10 <laughs> 5G. So I'm wondering right. like if this is something that's a priority for for TCL, or you're more interested in getting a device at all price points. You know, I, I'd say it's a priority for us to be uh, a big part of the conversation. Uh, we know that we're you know, <laughs> we're still a brand new brand, um, so to speak. Obviously, TCL has been making phones for a really long time with the Alcatel and uh, and even BlackBerry in the recent years. Um, but, you know, this is our second year as a TCL mobile mm-hmm. brand. And, you know, everybody knows the TCL TVs and the whole idea. The whole philosophy is that, you know, we can come out with affordable TVs that are just as good in overall quality as um, a lot of the premium TVs out right. there, right? So we want to do the same thing with phones. We know that we're not going to compete against, you know, the <laughs> the iPhones and the Galaxy S21s and all those. Um, but, you know, what do we have at our, um, at our disposal? We have, you know, our own display making expertise, obviously with the TVs and our own factories. Um, so let's bring that into phones. Uh, we've also been doing a lot with 5G for a long time, a lot of R&D, a lot of development. So, yeah, it just makes sense for us to, you know, go with what we know and really make a splash uh, as a still new brand. Cool. Brad, I have a question for you, Brad. So how is uh, TCL's presence in the U.S. these days in the smartphone, well, the mobile market? Because um, obviously I'm from out of the U.S., so I'm curious about this. Oh, definitely. Uh, we're, we're still pretty mm-hmm. new. Um, and I don't know that a lot of people know about us yet. Okay. Um, the way, the way I'm trying to look at this is, I mean, you think about OnePlus and the way, uh, that brand started off, nobody really knew who mm-hmm. they were. And it took, uh, it took a while for it to really build up and you look at it now and it is, um, pretty much, uh, a well-known brand. Um, you know, everybody, I wouldn't say that everybody knows about OnePlus, but you know, most people you talk to is like, oh yeah, at least you know I've heard of it. I've heard of mm-hmm. OnePlus, right? Yeah. Um, so with TCL right now, um, starting off the mobile brand, everybody asks, okay, well TCL, who who is that? 
And of course, once I say TVs, well, you've probably seen <laughs> mm, the, yeah. the TVs, the TCL TVs, you know, they're in Costco, they're in Best Buy <laughs> and all these other stores. Mm. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, OK. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I, I actually have a TCL TV. And so that's where we start the conversation. Like, let's build off the brand that we've already established. Yep. And I think that's one reason why it was so important for us to just uh, to, to start the mobile brand mm. is it just makes sense for us to um, be able to to leverage um, the brand recognition that we already have, yeah. right? So it is going to take a while, uh, and we understand that to to actually build up the brand to a point where we are going to be a a well known brand with in terms of overall market share and and most people just in in casual conversation knowing who TCL is and the fact that they even make phones, yeah. right? Well, uh, TCL has made, always made uh, interesting phones in the past, um, especially when we cover them under the Alcatel brand. I still remember the that, f- I forgot the name, but the phone which you can use upside down because it's symmetrical. Oh, yeah. I remember that too. Can't remember the name either. <laughs> ah. um, S something. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a nice idea, you know, um, and it was not that bad looking either. It was a nice looking phone. So, yeah. right. And, and that is something that we're really focused on. Um, obviously, the displays is a big part mm. of it, right? But uh, also just overall look and feel. Richard, I don't know if you had the chance to play around with the 10 Pro. I, you know, to be honest, um, I, I haven't really come across many TCL phones these days for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so hook me up, bro. <laughs> should send him one, Brad. Yeah. I'll, I'll see what I but, can uh, do. I'm... Obviously, uh, I'm 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 also more keen on uh, checking out the latest progress with the uh, the concept devices like the trifold and obviously the rollable phone as well because that's become a big right. thing these days. So there's that to look forward to. And and that's a very good point too. Is uh, you know one thing that we teased at CES this year was that we are going to be coming out with a uh, a phone that utilizes the flexible display. You know, we're we're not ready to reveal what the form factor is or anything like that but you know it is something that we have committed to bringing out sometime this year so it's something you can look forward to um, later in 2021 and you know it's it's going to be things like this that really help catch the attention of uh, uh of the general population right like people may not have heard of tcl phones but we start coming out with devices like this um, not only does it show the expertise that we have in our display making but it's also an opportunity for us to to show, hey, um, you know, we can play with a lot of the big boys, a lot of these these OEMs that are out there um, who are also doing foldable, flexible displays. So um, I think it'll be I think this year will be a great opportunity for us to really push forward with our brand. Last year was all about just getting started. And showing, hey, look at these phones we're capable of making. And and Richard, that's it's a a very good point on, you know, the Alcatel phones and just, you know, the overall design and the look and feel, you know, that's something that we are continuing on with the 10 Pro and obviously now with the 20 series, like you need to be proud of the phone yeah, that yeah, you have totally. in your hand. You can show it off to people. And so that's really um, one of our biggest series of focus. Yeah, I was very impressed with the 10 series in general. I felt that they were well-balanced phones, and that's really hard to find in in that price range, which spans what two hundred for the the 10L, right? Probably less than that now, 
all the way to 400 for the 10 5G. And I think that I was a little worried about your partnership with Verizon at first because I was like, ah, oh, you know. But I understand that that was probably one of the only ways you could get that phone at that price point because having a millimeter wave right. phone that's well balanced in every way that costs $400 kind of blew my mind. Like, you know, I don't think millimeter wave is like the, you know, like the thing that everybody should, yeah, the mm. holy grail because it's, you know, it's just mm-hmm. really not quite that developed yet. But holding a phone in my hand that was getting gigabit speeds over the air that cost $400 was kind of like pinch me someone. I think I'm in an alternate reality <laughs> right now. It was very crazy, right? And that's kind of what I think was cool about it. Oh, absolutely. And the fact they were able to do this $150 cheaper than yeah, basically. Um, the, the closest competition because you had the Google Pixel uh, for A5G and then uh, I believe the yeah, Motorola. There's a whole bunch. Like they were all yeah. between four. I think the lowest was the Revel 5G from T-Mobile, but it's not millimeter oh, wave T-Mobile. at the time. Mm-hmm. And now there's phones with like the Nord N10 5G. Again, all sub six. So that's the other thing that differentiated you, I think, for the US was that you weren't just 5G. You were 5G millimeter wave, which usually commands a $100 premium for every phone out there. And if you look, right, the 4A 5G, there is a Verizon version of it, the Pixel, and it's $100 more than the regular one. On the 5, it's rolled right. in, but you're paying $700. So, of course, it's going to be rolled in. But there's really no competition right now for that phone, in my opinion. Like, I mean, there's tons of sub-6 5G phones ranging from 300 to $500 worldwide right now. And in the U.S., there's a handful of them. But nobody has a millimeter wave phone in that price point still. So there yeah. you go. Uh, absolutely. So kudos. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And and certainly having that partnership with Verizon has been great. You know, because yeah, having having Verizon, you know, essentially have you know this great deal of trust in us that we're able to come through and have a, a good quality device. Because that's the thing is you know with Verizon you know, they're going to come out with really good quality stuff. And so we were really excited to be able to have this opportunity to partner with them because it shows like, hey, you know, we do have this great opportunity with U.S. carriers. And as you know, it's not the easiest thing to be able to get in to the U.S. market. You know, open market is usually the way you have to start out and then you build up and hopefully get into carriers later. So, you know, the fact that we're in with Verizon right now is is fantastic. I agree. That, that kind of goes well with the question I was asking Brad earlier about like the US presence. And uh, yeah, it's mm. like, especially if you're going with a millimeter wave, you definitely need to work with carriers um, for at least for the verification or certification, or whatever you want to call it, to make sure that it actually works. So ultimately it's all down to the actual coverage of that particular um technology the network so um uh so yeah it's it's uh, reassuring to see that tcl is uh, uh has been working with verizon closely on this and just to put that disclaimer out there and gadget is owned by verizon but <laughs> yes. obviously i could say whatever the hell i want uh blah blah blah, blah. yeah there is hmm. that well we should go back to talking <laughs> right. about the s21 as well brad Again, thanks so much for just randomly popping by. I know it wasn't so random, but at the same time, it just feels like it was. <laughs> Surprise. And it, yeah, it was nice. It yeah. was great. I appreciate you coming by. We'll have you on again. Maybe when those phones, uh, one of those phones launches in the US, you know, this year. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's going to be happening uh, later this spring. We'll have more of the 20 series devices coming out, uh, multiple 
devices will be coming to the US and Canada. So we're really excited about it. And then there's plenty of other stuff coming out this year uh, that we couldn't even really talk about. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be excited to talk to you more about it later. And Miriam, thanks again for having me on. Richard, it's great to talk to you and, and see Likewise. you again. This is really bringing back a lot of great memories. <laughs> yeah, and, so nice. So, yeah. It's good times. Yeah, take care, you take guys. Take care, you my too. friend. We'll catch you later. Bye. Okay, bye. bye. Well, that was... Uh, that was nice. That was very nice. A planned surprise, but it was still <laughs> kind of totally awesome. So, Richard, tell me, S21... What's your feeling after reading, first of all, let's start with the Engadget reviews, because obviously you uh, probably had an early look at those, <laughs> right? For those who don't know, I'm actually based in Hong Kong. So we right. also had a local briefing. We had a local preview. Uh, I uh, I let my ha- my colleague Eric handle all these most of the time. So he's, uh, I believe he's still working on his own review, but uh, at least he has a, a unit now, the S21 Ultra. Obviously, I always go for whatever's the most powerful and most, yeah. uh, not necessarily expensive, but it, you know, that's that tends to be the case anyway, right? So, so let, yeah, let's start with that. Like, which, what do you think of this phone from so far from what you've read and heard from mm-hmm. people you trust? So, um, to be quite honest, I've only had time to look at uh, my our own Chris Velasco's review at plus right. the video, which are both awesome, by the way. So uh, I will link those... <laughs> them in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Do be check down them there. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does look like the S twenty one Ultra hits the the spot for me. Anyway, um, it's I think it's the second smartphone to carry a ten times optical zoom. Yeah, like actual... correct. Yep, because the first one was the Huawei, the P forty Pro Plus. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's funny because I just literally reviewed the P forty Plus like after six months. It was like a I've had it for six months. Let's review it, sort of thing for Gear Diary, and that mm-hmm. I published that last week on the podcast. But it's interesting to me that Samsung literally copied like that, you know, in many ways what Huawei did with that phone in the sense that there's two telephotos, a three X and a ten X that are like pure opticals and that they're doing uh sensor fusion like Huawei is. And that's the thing to think a lot, a lot of reviews I've seen don't really talk about is that with the uh, Snapdragon 888 and presumably the Exynos 2100, and of course, clearly with the Kirin 990, that's that was in the P40 Pro Plus, there is the option for them to take data from all the sensors simultaneously and combine them into making better photos in low light and better photos in zoom. I don't know how the Samsung works, but the P40 Pro Plus outputs 12.6 megapixels by default in auto mode, even though it has eight megapixel telephotos. So when you're zooming 20X, which is 10 time optical plus 2X digital on that Mm -hmm. phone, you're Mm -hmm. still getting a 12.6 megapixel photo. And the Mm -hmm. way they're doing this is they're using the gigantic main sensor to interpolate extra data for the telephoto to get that 12.6 megapixel. And I'm not sure if Samsung's doing that with the S21 Ultra, but I wouldn't be surprised because one of the big announcements with the Snapdragon 888 was the ability for the ISPs to do that. Ah, so it could be a a built-in thing with the processor. Well, we shall see. We need to see if other... Yeah, it's definitely possible, made possible Mm. by the SOC, which is why I think that obviously the Exynos has something similar. 
Mm-hmm. But the reality is, as you said, mm-hmm. is that this is not the first, but I mean, in a market like ours, I mean, you live in a different world out there. I'm so jealous of all the great phones you can get access to. Even though I've been covering more Chinese phones, I mean, phones that are not meant for North America, I should say, because they're often global versions of Chinese phones yeah, uh, yeah. for uh, like Android police and stuff. So I've been actually getting my hands on phones like the Realme mm-hmm. 7 5G. I had the Find X2 Pro from Oppo mm-hmm. earlier in the year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've played with some, I've got the Vivo X50 Pro, for example. Oh, so, nice. You know, so I've played with some phones that I feel are not very mainstream in the US that bring some interesting features in. And of course, the Huawei phones. But I feel like this is the first phone an American can walk into a carrier store and get with a significant amount of firepower when it comes to photography, like more than ever before. And that to mm. me is very exciting because a lot of people won't even know what they're getting. And then when they start using it and they see the possibilities, they'll be delighted, right? Well, going back to um, just the 10 times optical zoom part, for most people, that's still the only smartphone they uh, that carries it and, and which is available in their yeah. market. Because if you look at, you know, Huawei today, they, they are still kind of uh, left out of the Google ecosystem, Google Play. Yep, yep, yep. So for a lot of people, um, it, it's they can't use it because they rely on so much on the Google ecosystem, Google Mail, Google Calendar, yep. the Google Suite, you know, the uh, Office applications. So, you know, uh, so it's good on Samsung for uh, catching up. Let's say yeah. they, they, they finally <laughs> caught know- up on that. It's funny because my P40 Pro Plus review came out the day after the Samsung launch, like the announcement. And so I modified the text quickly to say at the end is that basically, you know, if you want this, the P40 Pro Plus, but we want GMS, go buy a Galaxy S21 Ultra because you should be getting, in terms of imaging, a very similar experience. And Mm. I mean, this is like, I'm kind of speculating since I haven't touched the phone yet, but from all the photos I've seen from all my creator friends, the YouTube creators, mm-hmm. all of them had the phones and have posted a, a wide variety of images. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to be a very close match when finally somebody like maybe Ben Sin does a comparison between the P40 mm-hmm. Pro Plus and the S21 Ultra, you know? Yeah, shout out to Ben Sin, who's also based in Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, him him and I, we, uh, we, we try to hang out once in a while too. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to his comparison. I'm sure he's already working on something like that. I'm yeah. sure it's coming and I can't wait because I think that, you know, forget the GMS thing for a second. Of course, that's re- very relevant to us and even to you in Hong Kong. But yes. I think to a lot of the world, like a lot of China and a lot of, I think in India, maybe not so many people use Google and it's less of an issue for them. But I wrote in my review for the P40 Pro Plus, I was like, you know, that's the big obstacle right now. It's the software side of things. But mm-hmm. I think that the S21 Ultra is, you know, brings everything you love and know about a Samsung phone and adds this crazy camera system that for the first time, I think, like to me, the Note 20 Ultra almost got there. Like to me, the Note 20 Ultra was kind of like the P40 Pro, you know, with its 5X telephoto that was really, really good. And then you've got the P40 Pro Plus and now that's the S21 Ultra. And I finally feel like the Samsung lineup is complete, you know, somehow. Now, the thing with the Note 20 Ultra is um, a lot of people agree that the photography, the image quality on that has, is not quite on the same 
level as the S20 series. No, they're comparing it to the S20. So the S20 Ultra was a disappointment. It didn't have the laser autofocus and it had a lot of issues with imaging because of it, but they fixed that on the Note 20 Ultra. And I felt, and the Note 20 Ultra, I think is like, I couldn't put it down last year, Richard. I was using that phone as Mm. my camera for, normally I review a Samsung phone I have in my pocket for a week and I'm like, this is a great phone. You know, if you live in the binary universe that is America where you can get a Samsung phone or an Apple phone when you walk into Mm. the store because the salespeople are gonna try to put you on one or the other, you know, you can't go wrong with this phone, but then I don't Mm. use it because I'm not that excited about it. I could not put down the Note 20 Ultra. I had it in my pocket for three months. It takes such good photos and the Mm. video is really solid. Not Still not quite iPhone solid, but Mm. getting there. And Mm. I feel from the review we read and not just Chris's, but I read the Verge's review and a few others. Like I watched Mr. Mobile, Michael Fisher's review and I watched uh, Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD's Mm -hmm. review. And everybody seems to agree that video, is, they've cranked it up one more notch. And so now Samsung's eking closer and closer to what iPhone can do. For one thing, every sensor on that camera system can do mm-hmm. 4K60, which is mm. the same as the P40 right. Pro Plus, which mm. is the same as the iPhone, mm. all the iPhones now. And so it's like I a new think, standard, yeah. Yeah, I think that... There was always the ability to do 4K 60, but it was it was only on one or two lenses. Now it's on mm-hmm. every lens. Mm-hmm. And so I think that camera-wise, this thing, I'm going to probably want to use this thing for a while, like I did with the P40 Pro Plus and the mm. Note 20 Pro and the X. The Vivo X50 Pro, if you haven't had a chance to use it, do yourself I a favor. Yep. And it's good. Like I'm really impressed with the performance and imaging on that phone. Video mm-hmm. is not so great, but I think photography is good. Um, again, going back to Chris Velasco's review, it seems like there's some issues with video recording. Like he complained about how grainy. Yeah, yeah he said gets. that in some cases it gets in weird and grainy. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard that from anyone else though. So, Mm-mm-mm. but again, I mean, hopefully that can be fixed through software uh, later yeah. update at least. Uh, you know what? Uh, since you mentioned Vivo, I'd like to sidetrack a little. I forgot oh, to update you it. yesterday. Um, so the Vivo X60 Pro Plus launched yesterday oh my god it did i didn't even see anything about that anywhere yeah but uh just to give you a quick summary it's all about well first of all snapdragon 888 of course secondly um uh it's they still have the micro gimbal camera on it okay so the top one didn't have the gimbal last time right um only the uh, x50 pro had the gimbal the pro plus was a different sensor 50 megapixel or something Oh, right. You're absolutely right. But they had a gimbal on another non-pro model. Yeah, and so I'm talking about that gimbal one. This is the one I had. I had the middle of the right, range, yeah. which was the pro. They Later on, they added a gimbal to another model, which I can't remember. They, oh, they, they, I think it's the X51, which came out in Europe, which oh, is okay. identical to the X50 Pro. Physically, it's mm. the same phone. Well, physically, the X60 Pro Plus looks very much alike to its predecessor. But anyway, so again... The gimbal camera, 48 Mm -hmm. megapixels, IMX598, 114 degree field of view or whatever we want to call it. And below that, there's a 50 megapixel Samsung GN1, which uh, comes with 1.2 micron pixels. So that was the main sensor on the Pro Plus of the X50. Exactly. Wow, crazy stuff. So what are they using these two sensors for then? Are they both main (laughs) cameras or is one... A different lens on it. 
Well, you know, the gimbal has always been mainly about video recording, and then the other one is um, just for general low-light capture. So, you know, this is what annoys me. When I ask them, hey, why could you not put the gimbal on the main camera on the, the top model last time? And they're like, oh, because we feel like the, the what we have is good enough, we don't need a gimbal. And now they're putting both... <laughs> it's like it's got the best of both worlds now. But that's where people like you get confused. Like, what's the point, you know? Oh, however, there's one more highlight here. Mm-hmm. It's now using Zeiss Optics. Ooh. Yeah, I'm sure that would get you excited. Size ah, optics nice. with the, uh, what do you call it? Do you call it the T asterisk or T star coating? Oh, T star, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that's, what, uh, that's what Sony's been using on their Xperia phones. Yep, the exactly. T star, yeah, yeah. Well, on, yeah, on, on their latest. So, so this is like the second smartphone brand to have this kind of blessing, to just have this kind of collaboration. So hopefully I'll get to play with one in the very near future, but uh, it feels like my usual contacts are no longer working with Vivo or something like that. That's why when this uh, announcement came up, I was a little surprised. But uh, based on their spreadsheet, on the spec sheet, it does look quite interesting. So I'm looking forward to trying it. That sounds fun then. I'm looking forward to it too. I just didn't realize that had come out since we put together the topics. I missed it completely. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) No, don't worry. No, I think it's- It happened literally yesterday, yeah. My audience is very international, so I think everybody's going to be happy to know. And hopefully you'll have like a- Somebody, if not you, someone will have an English article I can put in the show notes. Do you know anything else about that phone? Um, one more, if you want to talk about optical zoom, I believe it's an eight megapixel, five times optical zoom, which is, you know, standard stuff, I guess. Better than nothing, right? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, there's a 32 megapixel portrait camera. Okay. Yeah. They did that last time too. It was essentially two telephotos. They had like a non-stabilized 2X telephoto on the X50 Pro for portraits, which Mm. I used a lot as a 2X telephoto. And then Mm. they had a 5X periscope folded hmm. telephoto on the X50 Pro. Yeah, this is also a Periscope one. This 5X. Makes sense. And the, thir- the portrait camera is a 50 millimeter equivalent camera, basically. So it's like a two times optical zoom, basically. Got it. Yep. That's awesome. So back to the S21 Ultra for a second. The cameras, I think, are what stands out. Obviously, it's a big phone with a big mm-hmm. battery with a super fast processor with total flagship tech specs all across the board. But there are a few things that have disappeared one is micro sd support that's across the board in the s21 mm-hmm. of course no charger in the box gotta copy apple you know i'm a little i'm a little miffed by that on iphones i'm not miffed by that because on iphones a lot of people are heavily into the apple ecosystem and they probably don't already charge their iphones at high speed anyway so they can right. reuse their old crappy charger or plug into a usb port like my mac if I plug an iPhone into it, even though it's only supposedly, you know, two amps, five volts, because it's a USB-A port, mm. I can charge at high speeds through a USB-A port. It detects it and they talk to each yeah. other and they do something non-standard and it yeah. works, right? So yeah. I think that people in an iPhone world don't necessarily need the fast charger in the box, but and maybe with Samsung it's not as critical because they're not super they're not using those custom super fast charging modes that Oppo and OnePlus and Xiaomi and Huawei are. Yeah popularly doing but i still feel that it's weird to me when you're selling a flagship especially that you don't at least make it optional like xiaomi's doing now where it's like you can buy the phone without the thing by default but for zero dollars extra you can get the charger and sent to you you know what i'm saying 
you know what's interesting? If I remember correctly, um, so Xiaomi's doing that, right? They they're offering both versions, but uh, for the same price. If you really want to, you can go for the ones right, with right. the uh, the charger included. Apparently, over ninety percent of the people bought the version with the <laughs> charger included. There you which go. just goes to show the mentality uh, over there. Like they want, they they want well, want uh, want to get them what the value's worth, right? But uh, I think Apple and Samsung can totally get away with it, partly because they've been the main drivers of wireless charging in the smartphone space. There is that, but it still doesn't go as fast, right? Uh, Samsung more so than Apple, uh, not as fast, but. I would imagine people who use wireless charging don't care so much about the speed. They just right. dump it on their pad when they arrive at the office or when they get home before they go to bed, something like that. Uh, you and I are very uh, hardcore users, I would imagine. So <laughs> we do want to have the maximum charging speed that we can get. I think it should be an option. I just feel like it's particularly important for Android because, you know, maybe not on the S21 Ultra, but on many phones now, it's 30 watt, 40 watt, 65 watt, 50 watt, even 125 watt is rumored on Realme phones coming up. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care to charge that fast ever. Like, in fact, I never use, I don't think I use more than the 30 watt charger on my OnePlus 8T, which can do 65 because I'm too lazy to swap chargers. But the reality is at least 30 watt is kind of my baseline. And if that's not supported through PD, right, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to use the proprietary charger. And in that case, you're kind of SOL if the charger doesn't come in the box. So I don't think it's critical for the average user, but I still feel that they should make it optionally available. And I think for Samsung, that would be a PR coup because they would basically outdo Apple in a way mm -hmm. that I don't think would That's cost true. them too much more and it would look good. You know what I'm saying? I uh, I, I do wonder if they they slash the, the cost for uh, for taking the charger out. And and um, I think at least in the US, the charger is now uh, half price to uh, to go go with the launch oh, of the new nice. phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so there's that at least. But you're right. If they had done what Xiaomi did, that would would have made a fun, um, at least a fun experiment to see how environmentally conscious each uh, market is. <laughs> yeah. No, I, look, it's not the end of the world. I, I think that, but for my audience, which I think is more early adopter tech savvy, if you, ha if you don't have the budget to update your phone more than once every two years, which again is probably not this audience, but it might be some people in this audience, mm. you are going to be, like if you use the Samsung charger from your S8, or Note 9, you're looking at a 15-watt or a 10-watt charger on a lucky day. And this the, the S21 Ultra, I think, can do 20-watt or something. Wow. And, and so, you know, it's not actually that great for a flagship, frankly, but it's you're, you're missing out. And I kind of feel that's kind of trouble, you know? But hey, it's good for the battery, right? <laughs> but that's right. And that's why I often don't charge with the fastest charger even when I go wired because I, mm. I want to manage that myself. You know how OnePlus has that great setting that says, you know, manage, like use AI to figure out when I need to charge. And so it knows like because it's nighttime and you, do, you have a habit of charging at night, it slows yeah, it down yeah. automatically for you. And yeah. I think that's super clever. But I tend to do that on my own. Like I manage mm -hmm. that myself. Nerd. I know. Yeah, I mean, Battery come on. Nerd. This surprises you. So, but but nah. back to the other feature that I think is more important for some people and can be argued as a more problematic removal, and that's micro SD. How do you feel? I personally don't care. 
I don't care. I'm so used. To, well, you, you and I again, we're blessed with so many uh, smartphone review units, and they tend to have very generous storage capacity, right? So I have not had to use, um, or I I have not had the tendency to stick a micro SD card into my new phones, um, in recent, not just months, but maybe last year or two. Yeah, I can't remember when was the last time I stuck a micro SD card into a phone. At least a flagship. I haven't in so long. Yeah, and I feel like um, I've gotten to the point where I'm relying so much on streaming and uh, cloud storage for photos these days. I I I I think I'm okay with not having to use a micro SD card. Yeah, that that's. I think that's what the the cloud services are doing to us. I mean, we're spoiled, right? It's killing the storage card business, I think. Really. <laughs> I used to need... I, the main reason I had a micro SD card was to store some of the um, uh, video files or movies, photos, things like that, so that I could watch or look at on the go while, while traveling. Um, yeah. And obviously, we, ha- we have not had to travel for so long, right? I, I, <laughs> I that's know. also a thing. But uh, if I were to go traveling again, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll be like, oh, gosh, I wish I had downloaded that, that this and that. But then again, you know, so I'm a Netflix user, right? They also right. let you download, yeah, exactly. pre-download yeah. content before you go hop on a flight or something like that. So, yeah. I, I think I think it's you know, there's two kinds of users. They're the kind of users who really want this feature and they're going to be really upset with this in the same mm-hmm. way as when the S6 came out, the Galaxy S6. That was omitted and they re- put it back on the S7 and since oh, then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because so much, so many people complain. I think they're testing the waters to see how much complaints they get this time. And if they get complaints, it'll be back next year on the note. We'll see. But I think that um, there's no technical reason why they couldn't do this. It's not, it's like, phone is gigantic. There's nothing stopping them. They could have also adopted Huawei's NM format, the nano memory, which is SD you know, in the form factor of a nano card. And you know what? It's a standard. Like, a lot of people think it's proprietary to Huawei. It's only proprietary to Huawei because nobody else is doing it. Like, it could be done. No one wants to let Huawei own this. That's why. No one else. They don't own it. They made it open source. It's an SD. Yeah, format. of course, of course, they want people to bow down to them. But as far as I know, no one else has adopted. Uh, I know they haven't, and I think it's a miss. I think the industry should adopt it. It's a great idea, especially since most phones are dual SIM, and the second SIM holder can then become your memory card holder. It's an SD card and a nano form factor. It's standardized. People should use them. People should make them. Manufacturers should be on board. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, clearly. It, it looks like it, it's time for memory cards to, to go, go away. away. Yeah. At least on flagship phones. Uh, I can totally understand if it's staying around for mid-range or entry-level phones. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. You need that storage. Yeah. And it's it's probably more suitable for... Uh, uh, I, I'd imagine you, you would say, oh, it's for the more tech-savvy tech users. But I would think the opposite, maybe. It's for people who don't want to have the has to deal with... Uh, deal with the hassle of transferring files from one phone to another and maybe they're not used to cloud services or streaming uh, you're absolutely right i think there's a big amount of people that rely on that and mm. you're right about that but i feel that this audience listening here is, is more on the tech savvy kind of flagship of course yeah you know so for them if they miss this feature it's because they like to put a one terabyte card in their phone that has all of their music library or something i don't know something crazy like that you know Okay, put it this way. 
How do you feel about the lack of headphone jacks on smartphones? I'm still pissed off about it, (laughs) (laughs) but I've accepted it. But conversely, uh, Richard, I'm not upset about the lack of micro SD. I never use micro Mm -hmm. SDs on phones. I don't care. I think for me as an engineer, it's, it's the, you have an extra moving parts with contacts that can corrode. You right. cannot make a memory card that's as fast as built-in yeah, no way. UFS 3.0 memory. As it's such, it is a flawed idea on a flagship. That's my yeah. opinion. But yep. I also yep. have heard from very smart people whom I trust and who I think have a very valid point that mm. they feel that that is one of the things that made the Samsung Galaxy line so interesting, that they mm. never gave mm. up, well, except for the S6, they never gave up on giving you micro SD, even at the high end. And so I want to point that out as a loss simply because, yeah, I mean, for some people that's a step down, but a step up is 120 hertz refresh at Quad HD mm-hmm. is now an option Again, not that personally I will ever do that. I will leave that phone at 1080p all day long, but that's me, yep. right? I would use Quad HD. Um, so yeah, I think we, I faced this dilemma, if you want, when I started using the Oppo Find X2 Pro. That was the first phone with the 120 hertz in Quad HD. Quad HD, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when, when Samsung left that option out. And I... I I like to I like to go all the way. <laughs> okay. Especially when I, when looking at photos, it, it it helps a lot. The reviews are saying that it doesn't seem to make a big impact because this is a not 120 fixed rate. It's a variable rate from 10 hertz to 120 hertz. Right. So you right. either choose a fixed rate, which is 60 hertz, or you choose mm-hmm. the variable rate. You don't choose 120 as a pegged at 120 like on a gaming phone. So it's actually yeah. I think very smart because I feel like you're not probably sacrificing a huge amount of battery life unless you're constantly playing games and scrolling, scrolling, like doom scrolling yeah. or glee scrolling on the feeds, you know? I don't know. Hmm. I, I just like to be able to uh, smoothly zoom in and out of photos. Um, yeah, sure, when you're looking at a static photo, 10 hertz is fine. Anything right. static, exactly. I'll look at text. But when I'm zooming in and out, I like to have that silky yeah. smooth kind of action so 120 hertz is i love sweet. it i yep. absolutely for me it's more important than resolution that's why i'm probably going to stick that phone to 1080p and mm-hmm. call it a day but i also understand that now we have the option which i think is critical for some people again for those possibly some of the same people who want micro sd like they now have the choice and that's mm. just nice to have and in the us the price is really aggressive we're getting a snapdragon 888 with 12 gigs of ram 120 gigs of storage so it's still on the low side but it's 1200 bucks that's the same price as the note 20 ultra i think yeah i think uh, chris velasco said it's a lower starting price now yeah it's lower than last year's s20 ultra was for right. sure and yeah you know, I think overall this got everything except for microSD. It has everything in the kitchen sink. There's one <laughs> feature I should mention, which we talked about on last podcast, that has been removed on the Snapdragon version of the phones all across oh. the S21 line. And is still apparently, this is a rumor that I have to verify, that it's still on the Exynos, is the MST, the magnetic stripe technology, where Samsung Pay was the only payment system that let you pay contactless by emulating a magnetic card stripe being pulled through the card reader. So that's a patent. They bought a company a few years back. So this has been on 
ever since Samsung Pay was introduced, that yeah. was the differentiator between it and Apple Pay and Google or Android Pay was that they could do NFC, of course, but they could also do this weird thing where if the card reader was willing to cooperate, some card readers don't work with that because they physically need to have a card yeah. inserted in the thing. But yeah. some card readers, a lot of them at the point of sales at a lot of shops in the US, if you go near them at the moment that it's waiting for you to swipe and you basically play back the magnetic waveform right. of the card, uh -huh. it works. So they removed that this year with the S21 from all three of them from the Qualcomm model. That sounds like a DOA kind of thing, to be honest. That sounds like a big security hazard, in my opinion. Yeah, Which exactly. is why I've never used Samsung Pay, and I will continue <laughs> to go use Google Pay on this phone. And so NFC, of course, works, and you don't have to worry about that. And the yeah. adoption, I think the reason they did this, Richard, for this market is that because the Qualcomm is only for North America. Mm. So I think it's because the adoption of NFC in North America as you know, being basically reached critical mass like a couple of years ago and mm. the COVID like settled it. Like everybody now has yeah. some sort of contactless payment. So yeah. I think that they're not as concerned about this emulation technology and it's probably built into the chips for their Exynos architecture. So they didn't, they left it in there, you know? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. This is my, uh, to, be, um, to be quite honest with you, this is my first time hearing about this, uh, this tech. This MST. Yeah. MST. Magnetic like MST. Stripe <laughs> technology or something. Magnetic Stripe something. It sounds cool, but yeah, it sounds like a hack. Janky. It, it, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, janky for sure. Wow. And, uh, the problem is that it doesn't work on everything. So anything exactly. that you actually have to insert the card into where it detects with a little micro switch that the card is inside, but right. it doesn't work with those. But it works <laughs> with any any of the ones that just have, you know, the you swipe, it's got open-ended mm -hmm. on both sides, like on airplanes, on the airplane yeah. seats and stuff. With that, it'll work. So it's kind of interesting. Have you seen someone using that? I seriously no, doubt no, it. No, no, I see it all the time because I go to- No, on a phone though. Yes. Oh, wow. What I'm telling you is that until recently, there were major changes in, in the US that did not support NFC, but wow. had kind of done a marketing tie-in with Samsung. Mm, and mm. I would go up there and I would tap my phone expecting NFC and nothing would happen. And the guy goes, are you using a Samsung phone? I'm like, no. He goes, you can only use this with a Samsung phone. And then that's when I would know they don't have NFC. Uh -huh. It just happens that accidentally as a big chain you know, it worked with MST and Samsung discovered that and they got some sort of like marketing mm -hmm. agreement between the two companies and it was just completely incidental. You know what I'm saying? You've seen actual customers. I've seen you, lots of people tap before and after hacking. me at the same store with their S-series phones, just like literally get near the reader and it's exactly like NFC. Oh, I thought you'd have to like mimic the swiping action. To no, no, no. You just, you know, you get close enough and it, it's a very low energy magnetic pulse uh -huh. that matches right. the pulses on the card. But you have uh -huh. to be like within an inch of the reader for it to work. Uh -huh. And you have to be near the, the swipe area because that's where sure. the magnetic head is. You know, it's like yeah, an yeah, old yeah. cassette player. You get that yeah. little magnetic head in there and it gets the pulses. The picture I had in my head was just people holding their phones sideways like an extra <laughs> thick credit card and just swiping in the air next to the reader. No, no, but you could possibly, <laughs> I presume that would still work that way because you, you're still uh, close enough to the reader. But mm. um, yeah, anyway, these are the, okay. the changes. These are the differences. And what I'm most excited about on the S21 Ultra are the cameras, frankly. 
And and that brings mm. us to the S21. I, I don't want to spend too much time because I, there's a bunch of other topics we still need to touch that I think are important. Yeah. But the S21 for me looks really solid. Again, very similar to the S20 one ultra in terms of scale down in size and price it starts mm. at 800 us dollars now which is a much more affordable price than the s20 last year was yeah, very that's very nice yeah wow. it's very good and when you consider that we have the s20 fan edition for seven oh wow 700 so yeah okay. our, remember our s20 fan edition is very different than the rest of the world's because it has a snapdragon 865 and it has 5g mm -hmm. sub six only but until That's recently, fine. that was the phone. If you were an early adopter tech savvy North American customer, mm -hmm. there were really a few phones that were really on your on your radar. There was the OnePlus 8 series. There mm -hmm. was the Pixel 4a 5G and 5. Mm -hmm. There was, and there was that S20 Fan Edition because that S20 yeah. Fan Edition had a bunch of advantages over the regular S20. It was cheaper, but mm -hmm. also it had a real telephoto, 3X optical with a 12 megapixel instead of that stupid 64 megapixel fake telephoto that we're about to talk about that's uh -huh. still on the S21 and was on the original S20. And it has uh. an optical in-display fingerprint sensor, and we should talk about the improvements made there. And so it has a lot of really good things about it at a really affordable- Wait, it's optical, not ultrasonic? On the S20 Fan Edition, not on the oh, S21. Right. So I'm just prefacing this because putting context for you for the US market, the S20 Fan Edition came out in like October, November. It's still fresh here. Yeah. And yeah. it is a very affordable phone for $100 less than, S than the base S21. And it has some of the same compromises. It has a plastic <laughs> back like the base S21. You know, the mid-range S21, the Plus has a glass back. And of course the Ultra has a glass back, but the yeah. base one has a plastic back. So mm. it's interesting to me that for $100 more, you get a Snapdragon 888 instead of 8 mm -hmm. You get millimeter wave in the US. All three phones have millimeter wave. Oh, nice. And they're all unlocked. So that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And then you get no micro SD, which the F, the fan edition still has. Mm -hmm. And the cameras are pretty much identical to the fan edition and last year's S20, except for the fan edition having a real optical zoom. And so I want to talk about that because it seems to me that they basically Samsung with the S21, S21 Plus took the S20 camera system as it was. And they improved the software. They have a better ISP on the 888, but it's the same sensors, essentially. 12 megapixel main with big pixels, 12 megapixel ultra wide, and then we've got that weird 1.1x optical 64 megapixel where they cropped the sensor for zoom. And I still think that's a mistake. I still think that, sure, it's cheaper to make, but that's not how you get a good telephoto. A good telephoto needs still needs optics at this point. Yep. And the S21 Ultra proves that. So what were they thinking, Richard? What were they thinking? I think it, the bigger problem is they put in the real optical zoom camera into the fan edition, which is cheaper. Exactly, right? So it doesn't make sense. It really, I'm, I'm baffled by this. Like people are going to compare. They see a cheaper phone with a better zoom camera. Um, I, I mean, I don't and know. And with micro SD, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, that doesn't, yeah, that is so bizarre. Like, I don't but know. But then you don't get millimeter waves. So if you're on Verizon, you want that. And of course you don't, you know, you don't get uh, an 888 and you get an 888 for $100 more. For some people that are gamers, maybe that makes a difference. Mm. 
Both have 1080p displays. That's the other thing when you talk about. The the fan edition, of course, has a 1080p AMOLED. Yeah. But the S20 last year used to have a 1440p, like a quad HD display. Oh, okay. Across the board on the S20, S20 Plus, S20 Ultra. Now it's 120 hertz, 1080p physical display on the S21, the S21 Plus. So yeah, I think that's yeah. how they're saving their money. That's That's really the biggest uh-huh. chunk of money they're saving right there. That is interesting. But you know what? From a pricing strategy point of view, that's got to win a lot more. I think it's the right thing to do. Last year's yeah. S20 was way too expensive. It mm. came out right just before COVID started. It was mm. just terrible timing. And they didn't sell very well. They didn't do well in North America with these phones. Yeah. And I think Well, that, they haven't done well globally, to be honest. Well, for Not sure. as well. But yeah. I think this is their way of saying, look, we heard you. You're getting in a great phone. And I think, look, despite my issues with the telephoto, I think the S21 and S21 Plus are going to be phenomenal phone for most of the world out there, including the people listening to this podcast. You can't go wrong, especially if you're tied in through a contract, through family or Mm -hmm. through your business or something, and you need to walk into a store and get a locked phone. I say you cannot go wrong right now with an S21 of any kind, including the Ultra. But I feel like, if they had given us a 3X telephoto with that 12 megapixel, basically the same setup that we've seen on the fan edition or even better, the uh, Z Fold 2, which has a mm. triple 12 megapixel system, mm. that I think would have been the icing on the cake. Like that would have been mm. almost mm. the perfect Samsung phone for 800 bucks. It, it does make me wonder like if they're intentionally making or crippling the S21's ca- camera combination to make the S21 Ultra look more. I think it's that plus economies of scale. They probably had yeah. that set up left over. Remember, if they didn't sell too many S20s, they probably had a whole bunch of parts lying around. Why not reuse those sensors? A better ISP gets you slightly better imaging from the same setup. And honestly, it wasn't a bad setup. Let's be real here. That mm. it's I'm nitpicking because I feel like when I saw what the S20 fan mm-hmm. edition can do, I'm mm. like, it's better than the 64 megapixel with that weird 1.1x zoom. Yeah, like yeah. that telephoto is a better telephoto by all measurable visual results. You're probably right. You know? The fan edition is probably built on leftover parts. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So hence, which is why they could afford it. So that's the S21 story, at least from yeah. a little bit of reviews. Uh, folks, Samsung hasn't told me they're sending me the ultra or the regular or both, but I'm getting these phones like imminently maybe tomorrow by the time you listen to this podcast i might have them and i'm reviewing that for hot hardware so as soon as i can i will have these reviews out i'm probably going to review the ultra only if i get the ultra Mm -hmm. because it's imaging is my is my jam Mm -hmm. but i'll keep you posted and keeping on hot hardware nice looking forward to that so we have a lot more but i want to skip through some things let's talk about the two chip announcements for this week one of them well both of them surprised me i mean i was briefed under embargo so i wasn't that surprised when it actually became public but when they reached out to me i was like really and the first one is qualcomm launched a snapdragon 870 which is essentially the 865 plus Mm-hmm. on steroids, or as many people made the joke, and I had to make the joke as well because I'm an ex-programmer, the 865 plus plus, which is like yeah. two pluses. <laughs> saw that coming. But I think that uh, it's, what's notable here is that it really is a clock speed bump over the 865 plus, and 
it still has a separate X55 5G modem. So, mm. and it's still 7 nanometers. So you're not getting the power. I think you're not going to get the power consumption benefits from the 888. But what you're going to get is a huge price cut. So what I think we're going to see is, and there are rumors now of these phones. We're going to see phones kind of like that S20 fan edition was this year. that are going to be the just below flagship in the five six hundred dollar range phones with an eight hundred series Snapdragon in them, but it's going to be the eight seventy instead of the eight eight eight. I'm calling it now. One plus nine light, probably eight seventy. Uh, we're going to see possibly a Moto of some sort. There's rumors of Xiaomi doing something with Redmi. Mm-hmm. I think all these rumors totally hold true. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's um apparently the moto motorola edge s whatever that is that's already confirmed to be one of the first to carry the 870 but that's supposedly coming out in china this week they announced it like on as soon as the 870 was announced they already said oh we're going to be the first like the 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 edge s is gonna have that but you know there's been lots of rumor about the oneplus 9 light having Mm -hmm. an 865 but i think we're going to see an 870 in that one too yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It makes sense. If they can sell it for $100 less yeah, yeah, than yeah, the, the 9, and then you're still getting a kick-ass chip. Like, this is a faster clock rate than the 888. <laughs> so, it's interesting. So, I, I'm curious to see how others are getting on with their Snapdragon 888 devices, because some of the initial reviews I saw, or at least user reports, claim that their phones get super hot. But, uh... Huh. Yeah, well, I mean, that only applied to the Xiaomi, um, whichever phone that was. Mi 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe it could be just a Xiaomi thing, maybe, if because I, I haven't seen others complaining. I mean, that. honestly, here's the thing. Like, again, putting my engineering hat on, I cannot imagine that these chips would get hotter than the 865. There's, it's not possible. They're five nanometer chips. They run at lower click rates. But they made by Samsung instead of TSMC. Ah, and TSMC has the upper hand when it comes to experience, um, and they were the first to do five N. That's true. So interesting. But we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see, because we need to gather more data to make to make this claim, right? Anyway, yeah. The other thing that came up this week in terms of chip, which I think is actually more important, more exciting, because MediaTek certainly showed recently that they are doing really well in terms of their presence in the chip business in phones in the world. They They became the first. First of all, they overtook Qualcomm in terms of shipment. Yeah, Yeah. and that's what I'm saying. It's my my very roundabout academic way of saying that, Richard. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But my point is that they they released two new chips, the Dimensity 1200 and Dimensity 1100, which obviously we don't know. There is, I, I can tell you this, that it looks like Realme, this is rumored, I'm not sure if it's confirmed, but Realme is supposed to come out with a new phone, the X9 Pro with a Dimensity 1200 in it. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with the performance of the Dimensity, I think, 800 in the uh, Realme 7 5G that I recently reviewed. And I am hearing rumors, this is unconfirmed, but I'm hearing rumors from people I trust that the 1200 series from MediaTek matches the 865 in terms of performance. So we're talking about the first MediaTek chip that could play with in the same league as the Qualcomm and Exynos high-end chips and Kirin's. And does it have a built-in 5G modem? It does. It is. Ah. uh, All the Dimensity chips have built-in 5G. It's all sub-6, so no millimeter wave. Then it's already a better deal than the X65. 
There you go. And then the 1100, I think, is slightly detuned version of that. Think seven. Think the difference between 865 and 765. You know, in way in many ways. Although, if you look purely on like matching them in the world right now, the Dimensity 1000 is the 765 equivalent in terms of performance <laughs> okay. right now. Uh, yeah. But I think so. So something somewhere. Imagine somewhere between 765 and 865 is going to be the 1100. 1200 is going to be us get us close to 865, hmm. and then. You know, that brings us to at least last year's performance, which, as we know, has been rehacked as the 870 this year. So it can't be that low. <laughs> mm. So I think I'm excited about this. I, I like what MediaTek is doing. I feel that, you know, their approach by not going millimeter wave right away is smart. Yeah, they never have really, uh, well, they try to be, they, they try they try to be up uh, right at the forefront of these uh networking uh, capabilities right but um they i think them they what they do best is to fill the gap which is in this case the uh, ma- the bigger mass market and uh yeah what they have here is very nice for the mass market we'll talk about these are at least mid-range to potentially flagship phones as well yeah so i got a couple more things i want to run by you because you're kind of in a different market and it's been interesting to see what your thoughts are there's rumors of LG possibly leaving the phone business. This is after showing their uh, beautiful rollable phone at CES. And I yep. love the Wing as you love the Wing. The Wing is one of my favorite phones of last year. The Wing is still my main phone. I'm oh, that's still amazing. It. Are you still actually using it a lot as a two-display device? Once in a while, yeah. Uh, well, like, especially when I'm watching a YouTube video and I'm like, oh, I, I want to look up something. Then I would flick the screen up and use the, <laughs> the smaller screen to go on Twitter or Facebook or do a Google search. It it's really really. I helpful. like this phone a lot. I like it a lot. It makes so much sense, and it's uh, it's not affordable, so I don't have to be careful with my fingernails. Yeah, correct. That's what drove me nuts when I when I tried to when I played with a Z Fold two. It's oh my god, I have to be so careful with it. And but but yet, um, like one would pay so much money for for, for such a fragile phone. It yeah. doesn't doesn't add up for me. Doesn't make whereas, sense. Whereas the wing makes so much sense. But anyway, LG, yeah. Do you think this is? Do you think this is likely? Like after all this Explorer project or whatever, yeah. now they they made a big fuss last summer. We got the Wing. The Wing got great reviews. I'm not sure if the sales followed up, but the reviews overall were overwhelmingly fantastic. It's probably the best reviewed LG phone in years. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. Why would they drop? Like, why is this rumor happening? Like, do you think it's real? So okay, the rumor started last week, right? Um, mm-hmm. This random Korean tech site said oh the ceo is going to make an announcement on the 18th or 20th of this month saying they're going to make a big decision about their mobile business blah 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 and i reached out to an lg spokesperson you know ken hong oh yeah ken hey ken if you're listening hey ken (laughs) so you know we love that guy but uh you know ken ken shot down the rumor right away because Good. It's like an old story over and over again, uh, so they didn't particularly care, take much, um, uh, make much, uh, give them too much attention f- to this uh, to this rumor. But obviously, now I would say there was some truth to that rumor. Uh, but again, um, according to Ken, you know the LG guy, he said, as far as they're concerned, nothing has changed in terms of. Um, their community from their communication standpoint, which is that LG is looking still looking at how to fix their mobile business. 
but they have right. never ever said they are quitting. So that's okay. what why that's why Ken is so well. Ken, and I'm sure his colleagues are so annoyed you about. Know, I mean, this is this is. I'm glad you got something from Ken. Yeah, I didn't reach yeah. out because I'm like you know, it could go either <laughs> way. But I'm okay. We so we kill that rumor. Look before before we wrap up this LG thing. They they're gonna do something. They're going to make a drastic change to the mobile business, which is like most likely they have to. They're going to downsize it. I'm sure they have to. They, they have, have to. to. Right? They They've been losing to. money for so many years. Yeah. But absolutely. If that if that means they they get to keep Project Explorer going on, I'm 100%. probably fine with it. I'm probably yep. fine with it. But you know that also means they're not going to make as much money as say their mid range or entry level phones. But I want to see innovation happening. I I, I want I want them to stay healthy in terms of having producing innovation so yeah good luck to lg's mobile business <laughs> i agree 100 percent. i don't want them to go away no so uh rumors of or leaks rather of the asus rock phone next version which we're not sure is going to be a called four or five because you know china you called it the rock phone yeah i'm terrible people hate me for calling <laughs> it you know i do it on purpose now this actually you don't know this but uh throughout this past year i got so much uh hate mail not here on the podcast so much, but on YouTube, I got some hatred for calling it a rog. And, and I'm sorry, for me, it's faster than saying ROG. Like it's, you know, I know it's ROG. It's public of gamers. I get it. Look, okay, ROG phone leak. It's not the four, possibly the five, because four, they're going to skip that number maybe. For cultural reasons, yeah. Yeah. Do you think this, this looks real to me? And I wouldn't be surprised if they put this little display on the back, which is, here's the thing that's really matters here, is there's a display on the back, a little OLED screen that you can control and make display all kinds of fun stuff, basically like the ROG logo used to be, but instead of RGB programmable, it's completely programmable, right? Because it's a display. Yeah. I looks real to me. I, I'm pretty sure this is real. I'm pretty sure yeah. this is real. Uh, not that I've confirmed it myself, but it, it, I've seen a video and it looks <laughs> real. I but is it doing anything for me? I can't. It's no, no not for me. I'm like whatever. <laughs> and I have I have a feeling that they're using these extra parts. Um, it looks like the same OLED screen they use on some of the motherboards, the gaming motherboards. Oh, you're Asus. right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that would make sense, right? Right. In terms yeah. from a um, uh, bomb standpoint, you know, is, yeah. they yeah. they buy these in bulk. I would have preferred something like an actual dot matrix kind of thing going all the way across the back of the the phone, a bit like the ROG. I forgot which laptop that is. Zephyrus is yeah, 14. Zephyrus. That one. fourteen. Yeah, something like that would be so cool. And this, this just looks like, it's like a tiny thing. It's like a tiny glowing thing. It's a little OLED screen. It's gimmicky as hell, in my opinion. Yeah, if you're going to go, you've got to add a, a, a customizable screen or something, make it at least <laughs> twice as big, maybe. <laughs> yes, it looks yes. so, oh. Uh, uh, why would you want a cute little thing on what's meant to be a beastly powerful machine? I know. You you had an ROG Phone 3, right? For, yeah. Uh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. Main, I, right. Um, as a, as my main phone, yeah. I yeah. mean, it doesn't. Uh, it could do better on the photography end, but it's not bad. And the uh, gaming on that phone makes a huge difference, especially oh, yeah. when I'm when I'm playing a one forty four hertz, right? First, uh, yeah, and a first person shooter. It's not just about the screen; like the air triggers, they make so much no, sense. Yeah, they do yeah, work. Yeah, right. I can't play these mobile games without these air triggers. 
I've tried something similar on other phones, but they don't come anywhere close. Even if yeah. they're coming from the same supplier, because I know who who makes the who supplies the tech to Asus and well Lenovo. Lenovo uses the same supplier apparently. But uh, for me, uh, if I want to do mobile gaming seriously, um, at the risk of sounding like uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm like being paid to promote this, I have to say it's I I could I I couldn't be any happier. It's Asus or go home is what you're saying. Well, uh, I I, want to give the other brands like IQ, you know, Vivo's gaming brand, another chance. Oh, IQ, yeah. And then there's, of course, there's also uh, Black Black Shark, Shark. right? Xiaomi. Um, Yeah, but uh, but, uh, I I think so far Asus is really the the brand that's been doing it right. I'm not as much of a gamer as some other people, but that probably says more about um, what I'm looking for when it comes to mobile gaming. If it's not good enough, then why? I, I wouldn't be interested. I wouldn't go back to playing games on a phone. I don't normally game play play games, let alone on a phone. But yet, the RG Phone series got me back into that action. Interesting. And PUBG is an absolute joy on the RG yeah. series. Yeah, that's what I hear from everyone. Yeah. So uh, yeah, um, I mean, the RG Phone Four or Five is, I'm sure, is going to be another amazing uh, phone in terms of performance. Plus that little gimmick on the back, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, we we'll see the uh, overall design because I knew uh, from since the RG Phone three that they're going to keep the overall overall design the same. Oh yeah. So yeah. the the accessories are largely going to be uh, compatible. So that's the good thing about uh, ASUS's promise, which is to let you keep using last gen's accessories. So they really look after their user base well. So uh, yeah. yeah, we'll keep an eye on uh, what, what, when it's coming out which is soon, I'm sure. Soon. Well, folks, we have to wrap it up. So, Richard, do you want to tell people where to find you on the internet, your various social media handle? Of course, you write for Engadget, but two different Engadgets, so let them know. Yeah, so I'm also the editor-in-chief of Engadget Chinese, so if you can read the language, if you speak Mandarin or Cantonese, feel free to check out chinese.engadget.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter, and my handle is at Richard Lai, uh, Richard L-A-I. And there you go, folks. You should definitely follow Richard. And you write for Engadget English from time to time. And yep. you have an Instagram or anything you want to share like that? Oh, my Instagram is Richard HK. So it's L-A-I-H-K. Thank you. <laughs> ah, no problem. And folks, you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character Tankerl. Just drop the vowels. Twitter is where you want to be to comment on the show, discuss the show with me and my guests. And you'll see all the topics in the show notes, including the various Twitter handles of my guests every week. So you can chat with us. And then, of course, Instagram is where I put pretty pictures of phones I'm reviewing and taken with phones I'm reviewing. And uh, then, of course, there's two YouTube channels that go with the show. One is new. So you should check it out. The uh, The regular channel is youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast. It's where you'll find unboxings and basically visual complement to the show. Sometimes reviews and hands-on, but mostly unboxings. And then my producer and I are starting a new channel. It's just beginning. We're kind of doing other tech than the, the mobile, but it's related to mobile. So like smart home and other stuff like that. And it's called youtube.com slash mobile tech more we have very few subscribers so please subscribe we're starting trying to get this off the ground slowly we got a whole bunch of content lined up for that 
The podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. You should go there to subscribe if you just joined us for the first time. There is an RSS link there as well for subscribing, but also we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. There's also a donate link in the show notes. If you want to help support the podcast, consider a small donation. It's a PayPal link. It's pretty straightforward. Please help if you can. And then, of course, I want to thank Audible, our sponsor. They've been with us since the very early days of the show and they're super awesome if you like reading as much as i do audible is the platform for audiobooks and we have a deal for you it's a 30-day free trial and you get to keep a book at the end whether you stay or not and if you click through the link i'm about to give you you help us out and you help audible out it's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech so yeah check it out if you're not familiar with audible If you like to read, but like me, you sometimes you have tired eyes and you want to listen to a show instead, or maybe you're driving all day, like maybe you're a delivery driver and you're dropping off packages, you know, you have to keep your eyes on the road. So yeah, (laughs) right. So listen to an audible book. Podcasts are nice, but they last an hour. You know, this is a epic reading like for 10 hours sometimes it's like cool you can put it aside for a few hours and get back to it the next day it really feels like very episodic so i really like audible for that i like that a lot of their books are read by the authors stuff like that so support us by supporting audible or support audible by supporting us whichever way you're looking at it. audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the url please consider clicking through and Thanks, of course, to Richard Lai for being on the show. Thank you. And once again, congratulations for reaching the 200th episode milestone. That's amazing. And I'm so honored (laughs) to be on this particular episode. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Richard. I appreciate it. And let's thank Brad real quick. Brad Mullen, who used to work with us at Engadget and who is now with TCL, who came at the beginning and told us a little bit about the TCL 20 series and what TCL is up to in mobile. Thanks for enjoying it, folks. And (laughs) we'll be here next week with another show. So stay tuned for that, folks. Until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.